the Spinster Life Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Spinster Life Podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Eva. Today we're going to talk about the actual spinsters. Like the actual women on the spinning wheels. I don't actually know how to make yarn or thread, but I know you use a spinning wheel to do it. I've seen women doing it as an exhibition at like a county fair. And they just have like a big pile of sheep's wool next to them. And they very slowly, well, not slowly because it actually moves pretty fast, but like a very small amount of wool at a time, they kind of like feed it into their fingers and then the wheel like pulls it. And then yarn. And then magic happens. Um, I feel like this would also be part of like a sixth grade class field trip. Yeah, to like an old timey village or something. Yeah. Everybody went to that in like second grade. I guess we're going to get into the connection between the job. It probably wasn't even called the job. The job of no, being a spinster. And, and the other meaning. I don't know. The second meaning. The yeah. Like meaning. the more derogatory meaning. It just, it's a word that's evolved. It's been around for a very long time and it's just uh, devolved, I guess. It's devolved into meaning something that is not um, entirely complimentary. This will be a good a good learning episode that's yeah. for us. I mean, because we talk about spinsters all the time. We should, you know, we should understand why the word means what it does to us. If we're talking about like 1500s, it doesn't mean what it means to us. They would have said yeah, like, sure. they would have said like old maid or something. I mean, again, like that game, that like card game. Yeah. Made, like. Yeah. It's just like a sad gray woman sitting alone. They always have their hair up and like yeah things like knitting right <laughs> like, which i guess comes from the idea of like spinning also <laughs> yeah kind of conjures that up yeah it does um yeah always like completely desexualized and she probably looks like a witch <laughs> yeah and she probably looks like a witch i found a bunch of other words that used to refer to single women um actually i i don't know if they're better or worse than spinster um prude that's, That's interesting yeah. because I think of Prude as someone who's like still in the game and she just like doesn't put out. Yeah. Like she's, I mean, can you be married and be a prude? Yes. I mean, to me, to me, that just means like yeah. you're squeamish about sex and like that's just, it's not a thing that you want to acknowledge even exists. Yeah. But I guess so once again, that's a, like desexualizing unmarried women mm-hmm. because they're not married. So how can they have sex? Because it's not within the bounds of a consecrated relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing when you think of spinster, like, it's not like she's like getting some on the side. Right. <laughs> like, she's no. completely desexualized for sure. Yeah. Uh, there was also prig. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, to me, that's also it's like along the lines of prude. It kind of means mm-hmm. the same thing, yeah. like someone who's kind of uptight. Um, virgin. Once again, I don't think virgin and spinster or unmarried woman are the same thing. Yeah, would you call, I mean, also it feels like not something you call someone. Like it's a, it's right. a label, but you're not like, hey, you virgin. Yeah. <laughs> I was in like, I don't know, first grade. And, you know, the little boys had just learned what virgin meant. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and I didn't know what it meant. So they were like, you're a virgin or you're not a virgin, whichever one it was. So you either have to, you know, like their tone, the tone says, I need to defend myself. I am the opposite of what they said I am. And then I, mean, right. I guess I guess either way they win, right? Either way it was funny and they could laugh at it because children are awful. Children are so awful. <sighs> we also have goody goody on the list of words to call an unmarried woman. 
once again, I think these are just all about taking sexualization away from a sexual being and turning her into, you know, a a non-entity. She's not in the game. But also, it also kind of implies that, like, that's her identity. And so, like, the idea that a woman who does not give a man sex is... Like, that's all she's good for, right? So it's right. Like either you're, you're putting out or you're not. And if you're not, that makes you horrible. And, like, also that's the only thing that you're good for. I mean, I feel like we haven't come that far uh, forward from that kind of thinking. But no. um, that's what we're here to do. We have maiden. It has, like, a positive connotation almost. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, because we, we have bridesmaids now. Like, maid isn't milk, like, the whole, like, sexy milkmaid thing. Or, like, fair maiden or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that one isn't the worst. There is our favorite, Thornback. The best. <laughs> the best. There's, I don't, it's a star among words. Yeah. <laughs> it really, it really does shine in, in like, a, uh, in, in a very, like, claws out kind of way. It's fierce. It's real fierce. We also have redundant woman because, once again... Oh, it's just rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If a woman isn't giving a man sex, then the fuck is she good for? Just, she's she's been made redundant by not bestowing her womanly gifts upon a man. A lone woman? I could, That's weird. I could deal with that one a little bit better. Like, it, it makes you sound kind of dangerous. She's, like, out rogue. on the range or yeah. something. She's, yeah. like, has, like, a cowgirl-esque... yeah lilt to it american pioneer spirit and this one that well it's good and bad bachelor girl that feels like so 1950s it does like. yeah i the girl is is uh it's a little objectionable because you know we're grown-ass women um, yeah i mean it's weird too because like you know we call men bat unmarried men bachelors but like you don't really call women bachelorettes right like it's not like a term we use and like the term no. bachelor, it either has positive connotations or it's like he can't be tamed or he's it just is a completely different take on someone yeah. who's single. That dumb double standard again. Women, it doesn't matter what your view is towards sex. Someone's going to call you out on it and judge you for it. Yeah, and bachelor, like you assume they're having a lot of sex. It's like the opposite, you know, right. they just can't. The eligible one bachelor, yeah. Or it's like, if a woman is an old maid <laughs> or something like that, like, she can't catch a man. She's past her prime. She's not sexual. She's a failure as opposed to, like, a male bachelor. Yeah, who is, like, you know, a seen. success. A manly, yeah. manly success. He's super manly. Yeah, do you want to learn a little bit more about how the word has evolved throughout history, devolved? The word has devolved throughout history? Amy, convince me that we've made some headway. I, uh, I'll try. I'll try. Okay. okay. Well, that's the best you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it. The word spinster has been on a wild ride. It started its life as a job title and ended up as a way to categorize and minimize women who don't quite fit into societal norms. The meaning of the word ended up saying more about attitudes towards women than it does about the people it described. For much of European and American cultures, women weren't considered people. That meant that women were barred from most types of employment, earned lower wages even if they did the same work, and were barred from owning property. 
getting married offered women financial security and a better position in society. Just how has the word spinster evolved through the years? Let's take a look. Chapter 1. Just a job. The term spinster arose in medieval times. The term first emerged around the 1300s and continued to be used to describe profession up until about the 1700s. Not all women could or did get married. A lot of women, in fact. By some estimates, almost 30% of women living in Europe around the 17th century were single. Some women didn't have dowries and therefore didn't have enough money to start a household. Some women lived in places where there weren't enough eligible men. Whatever the reason, it wasn't uncommon to be unmarried. But as a woman, there were very few jobs available. One of those few was spinning thread or yarn for broadcloth. Broadcloth was in huge demand, but making yarn was tedious work. So it was brushed off as an unimportant thing, a task a man didn't need to do to feel important. So women stepped up and did it. It was fairly easy work that you could do from the comfort of your own home. It wasn't terribly dirty. It wasn't terribly dangerous to do. It didn't require much equipment, so there wasn't a high cost of entry into becoming a spinster. And it paid well. These women weren't getting rich, but they were able to live in relative comfort. Around this time, it was very common for surnames to be derived from one's occupation. Baker, Turner, Smith, etc. Spinster also became another common surname. Around this time, spinster still remains a neutral word. Chapter 2. A Mere Formality In the 1700s, spinster is well on its way to becoming a pseudonym for an unmarried woman. Around this time period in the UK, bachelor and spinster were the terms used on legal documents and census records. It didn't matter what job you held. If you weren't married, blam, spinster. I guess spinster is shorter and it fit better on the forms. The terms spinster and bachelor were being used on legal documents up until 2005. Seriously. The word spinster is beginning to move away from its origins as an occupation and into its usage today. The term old maid was much more derisive and the preferred way to express contempt towards a woman's decision not to get married. Chapter 3. A Judgment By the 1900s, eugenics and Sigmund Freud pushed spinster into the derisive term it is now. Pearl clutching had become a beloved pastime and morality around sex went into overdrive. Spinsters were seen as gender transgressors who were upsetting the natural balance of gender dynamics. Spinsters weren't doing their job by procreating. President Theodore Roosevelt was also upset at the decline in the birth rate. His push for eugenics, yikes, in the early 1900s was basically an arms race for who could make the most babies. Good old Teddy thought that immigrants were breeding too quickly, and that Anglo-Saxons weren't doing their part to continue their superior race. So gross. Spinsters just weren't doing their part to win eugenics and therefore were contemptible. Freud came along and, oh boy, Freud diagnosed singlehood as deviant behavior. Any single woman was viewed as ready to pounce on every married man that walked by and drag them back to her sex den. Throughout this time, and even before, spinsters were also painted as sexless, uptight prudes. I guess the sexless prude narrative won out in the end. 
And so emerged the portrait of spinsterhood that we are familiar with today, the lonely waste of a woman. Of course, the spinster of books and movies has kept the image of the spinster quite well and alive. In literature, the spinster is rarely the main character. She is very frequently a warning to young women. If you don't marry, you'll shrivel up, become bitter and jealous, and become completely irrelevant. Find you a husband! Despite more relaxed morals around sex outside of marriage and women getting married later and later, if at all, these tropes of spinsterhood still persist to this day. It has always been precarious for women at the fringes of society. The devolution of the word spinster didn't happen all at once. It started out as a way for a woman to make her own living, control her own money, and slowly devolved into a way to label women as odd and irrelevant. It's important to remember that spinsters were real women, women who overcame the odds and flourished in a society that didn't think of them as people. They were hardworking, resilient, independent women who controlled their own lives in a time when most women didn't have that option. The spinsters of the past remind us of the importance of women's place in society. I just don't understand how history can always do this to women to take a really badass thing about women and turn it against them. Well, I mean, the idea of giving women power, it frightens men, (laughs) you know, like independence, I guess, is threatening. Yeah, because it like upset the whole system that they had going for them. If you're at the top of the system, any little disturbance scares the shit out of you. I I think part of the evolution of the word is that, you know, back in the day, there wasn't industrialization. You had to work harder just to stay alive, just to get your basic needs met. Like, Yeah, there was so much physical labor to do. So you didn't have time to sit and judge anybody because... At, at the end of the day, you were really fucking tired and you didn't. You also didn't have a light to like sit up and read and judge people. But as you start, to, <laughs> you know, you couldn't read like People magazine by, yeah. the light of, by candlelight. Yeah. Most people couldn't even read. <laughs> you just, uh, yeah, you just prayed for sundown and the dark so you could go to sleep and not talk to anybody or look at anybody or do any work yeah as things get a little bit easier as it gets easier to get food and and get all these basic things done you have a lot more time to sit around and judge people and judge their decisions also families were more insulated we didn't really look into other families as much you know people really kept to themselves so you didn't need to spend as much time checking up with what the joneses were doing you know it's like you had your your own little community like i think of my grandfather who's one of 12 you know it's like right you had plenty of people to that's enough people that's enough people to be around you plenty of people yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it was a thing where it's like you had that many kids because you had that many jobs to do on the farm it also makes me think of you hear about like someone's sister coming to help her with the pregnancy or the children or, you know, because the father died, her sister moves in with her. It's like, yeah. so many people seem to have this extra sister <laughs> who just happens to be single. Yeah. She's this, like, and, this, and she got on the aunt. train and she came and lived with us. And yeah. It's like, oh, that was your single aunt. <laughs> like everybody, like there's one in every family. There's one in every yeah. family. Yeah. And doing the research for this, it was really interesting to learn that in medieval times, it was kind of a little bit like now where people were delaying marriage until 
they were like in their 30s because they didn't have the money to start their own households. Your attitudes have to shift in regards to marriage if so many people aren't getting married and they have a good reason to not get married. Like they don't, they just, they just can't, they can't afford to get married. It is a thing where especially, I mean, in America now, so I would, I don't know, I don't know if this is true, but my assumption would be that the majority of households are two-parent working households. I think you're right. I think you were absolutely correct on that. I just think of like everyone I know that has kids and they both have to work because kids are ridiculously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know like in my sister's case, my sister is a stay-at-home mom. She has three-year-old twins. It would not be cost-effective for her to go out and get a job. Every other day, she's very glad and feels very privileged to be a stay-at-home mom and then like well maybe it's every other hour that, <laughs> it's probably that she you know hour. she's like oh my god get me out of here i want to get out of the house i'm losing my mind you know and it is interesting now too because i think a lot more people accept that being a stay-at-home parent is more than a full-time job i mean at least it's a job you know which is something that is relatively new to people's thinking you know I think men used to just think that like women just sat home and ate bonbons all day. Well, the, their angelic children just like played and giggled and looked cute. It's like, <laughs> not at all. Not the case. Well, that was just good marketing. Oh my God. Yeah. I think like motherhood has been one of the primary, I mean, maybe just parenthood, but like has been one of the um, most misrepresented <laughs> in media over the years. Yeah. I mean, can you think about like back in the day when it was like those advertisements where a woman wearing like a fresh pressed shirt dress and like heels while she like vacuums with a baby on her hip? Yeah. Like, what in the... And her makeup is flawless and she just went to the salon to have her hair set. Yeah. And you know what? Her sister is a spinster because she knows the reality of it. She's like, there's no <laughs> way I'm doing that to myself. Oh I'm gonna God. I'm gonna go somewhere else and I'm gonna get a job and I'm I'm gonna move to the big city. I'm gonna move to the big city. <laughs> but it is really interesting that it all kind of was born out of like quote unquote women's jobs. I don't think history ever talks about like how big of a contribution this was. Cloth, like you know, whenever cloth came about, uh, and think about all the things that you could now do because cloth was being manufactured more. Like, sails for ships, clothing for people. What are you wearing before that? Like, furs? Bark? Like, <laughs> you know, like honestly, like, what the what the fuck did they... Or, like, did you just have to, like, literally do everything? You, like, shear your own sheep and make your own thread and weave it into cloth at home and then, you know, stitch it together with your, like, bone needle or whatever. <laughs> I'm yeah, not good I mean, at history, but <laughs> I don't know. I am not I am not a child of history. I'm like so I don't know any of that. This is one of the prime examples of us not knowing anything. But just I mean, but just think about it like before you had, you know, a lot of access to cloth, like what what the world was like, all of the things that you could now produce. Like even even just transporting food, like putting flour in sacks. Like could you do that right. if cloth wasn't readily available? No, you couldn't. We're so used to just things being in existence now. Right. Like, oh, that just exists, you know, that we obviously don't really think about it. Excuse me. Um, I shouldn't be yawning because I'm not a mother who had to get up at 5 a.m. with her children. But um, 
Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that had a tremendous impact on the way people live their lives and on travel and on um, importing and export. I mean, on everything. On everything. For sure. And the men didn't want to do it because it just, it was, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it's kind of boring to do. I'm sure it's very like meditative, but it's also probably pretty boring. You know, so a lot of things that, that kind of evolved into being, you know, women's work kind of stuff, like definitely started out as, you know, men, like men being tailors and men being shoemakers and all of this other kind of stuff. I think it actually went the other way around. It would be women who would take this job that no one really wanted. They would do it. They would start making money and being successful at it. And then men would be like, oh, uh, let me get in on that. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'm sure I mean I'm sure not for everything, but there were a lot of things. Um the the one example that I can think of, it is a very modern example compared to spinning cloth, but uh movies, like the early silent films, most of them were written and directed by women. There were like mm. a large percentage of female writers and directors, and then as soon as movies started making money, they got pushed out and men started taking their jobs. Mm. Right? Mm. That is the only acceptable mm. response. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> More feisty. Okay. Yeah. I think it kind of my takeaway from this is that all throughout history, women have been viewed as incomplete if they didn't have a husband. And to this day, yeah. to this day, that persists. You hear from, like, older female relatives, like, oh, it could still happen for you. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> like, for so many, you know, people, it's like, I'm not trying to make it happen. <laughs> you right. Know? Like, that's not, that's not the goal here. Like, why do you assume that that, like, I'm I'm that interested in that? Did you ask me? You didn't ask me first. You were just like, hmm, a single lady. Obviously, she is in want of a husband. For older generations, because they didn't really have that choice. I mean, it it was always the case that like, oh, you're a little girl or boy and you're going to grow up and get married and have kit and buy a house and have children right. and work until you die. <laughs> so, yeah, right. That's, it is, it, you know, that's the series of events in your life. It is kind of that like societal knowledge that is just ingrained in so many people, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean even my mom, who is... Only in her, you know, she's in her early 60s. It s- never ceases to amaze me how some of the ideas that she has are so inherently sexist. <laughs> and, oh. and then, you know, and I have to remind myself, like, she just, she doesn't see those options because she didn't see those options for herself. I guess. I just, you know, it's that puritanical root system we have just rearing its ugly head again. I had no idea, like, how much to blame Freud for that until I started doing research about this. I think there's a lot we can blame Freud for. Is it, would that be a Freudian thing to start blaming things on Freud? I mean, possibly if you look like your father. Yeah. (laughs) Or your mother. Or your mother. He had it out for moms, didn't he? So much of his ideas are so sex-based. It just... Mm. Mm. <laughs> Can we get buttons that just you just press it and that sound just whenever we hear something <laughs> awful? Mm. Yeah, a disapproval button. That's what I want for Christmas this year. A disapproval button. 
I disapprove. I do not approve. Anything that you would like to add about the spinsters? I really appreciate this episode. I think it's eye-opening, and I just I like when we dig a little deeper into things. It's like how did how did this happen? Right. (laughs) You know, we we use this word spinster, and we know that it's you know mildly derogatory. Mm, Maybe not mildly. (laughs) It just it has a negative connotation. Uh, right. You know, but like, yeah, where does that come from? We found out from Freud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's mostly from that uh, idea that if you don't get married, you don't live up to the societal expectation of of the male female hierarchy that, you know, you're you're doing it wrong. Doing it wrong. But I think the only way we can, you know, kind of break that that mindset and break that automatic assumption is to, you know, talk about it. Because I think when you say it out loud, it does sound like a little ridiculous. Like, we all must do the same exact thing in the exact same way. Like, it's not realistic. And it's not, it's, I don't, it's not healthy. I mean, I think we have been going through this very strongly in our culture in the last, like, just few years, like, the pushback against this idea that there's one way to like correctly live your life yeah, or be in a relationship or, you know, all or have children, raise children, or we're kind of reaching this point. That's kind of very much the opposite of 1950s culture. People should be able to do what they want so much as it, so long as it's not, you know, hurting someone. Else. Right. And like most of these life choices aren't hurting anybody. Like it doesn't, it doesn't. I, it doesn't even hurt me to not get married. People might disagree no, with that. No, it doesn't hurt you. And but yeah, it doesn't hurt me. There is a cost to marriage, you know, and not just to the individual, but also to society. Because if you're, especially if you're a female in a marriage, you know, and especially if you have children, like that becomes your full time job, you know. So whatever talents you have or had or interests or passions you have, a lot of those are put on the back burner. You know, they just are. Yeah. You know, and if. We look at the people who we really kind of applaud throughout history for making these huge contributions to to society. Those people were spending, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day doing whatever they were doing. They weren't spending all day managing a family. Right. Like, I think about, I always think about, like, Jane Austen, you know, wrote all of these stories about love and romance and couples getting together in the end. But she wasn't married because she needed this time to write about all this stuff. If she had kids and a household to run, she wouldn't have been able to write about romance, which is, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, you know, everybody has their own way of contributing. We need to just be more appreciative of that. Yeah, it is kind of built in and it should be, you know, to honor mothers and, and, their place in raising children and raising people to be not serial killers. But we also have to look the other way, too, of women that don't have children, but there's there are other things that they do. I think in that happiness study that we cite constantly, unmarried women spend more time with uh, adults out of their immediate family. So they do mm-hmm. it. They have more time to volunteer and they have more time to do outreach in their community. Everybody needs to find their own place. Yeah. You know, and if if we stop just telling everyone this is how you do it, this is how you live your life correctly. We're all we're all just doing the best we can, married spinsters. Yeah. And that's all we can do. Exactly. So thank you, spinsters. Thank you for being independent ladies. 
turning wool yeah, into I mean turning wool turning yeah tur- yeah turning wool into yarn wool into yarn doing your job or cotton hu- into hustling thread, right hustling yeah just hustling just hustling so we've talked a lot about not being married so let's dive a little bit deeper into that play our favorite game Eva why aren't you married um you know it's hard not to like repeat things I've said before because <laughs> you know they're some of my favorite things like sleeping during the day um let's see what am I going to go with this week I think there is a good part of it that has to be finances you know yeah it's not necessarily a conscious thing on my on my part I don't really think like oh I'm not married because of money you know I have school debt and other debt from living in expensive places and making bad financial choices. <laughs> so I'm going to be practical this week. And I'm going to say finances is, is the reason I'm not married. What about you, Amy? I'm going to be a bit cheeky this week. Um, All right. I'm not married because um, I don't I don't want to plan a wedding. Mm. What about it? Um, everything. Does it just immediately stress you out? It does. I, I just I for a lot of reasons, like I see people getting stressed out. And I just think it's completely unnecessary stress. Like this is supposed to be a fun party, but it turns into a job and it turns into a source of fighting. You know, everyone's got an opinion and this is the time that everyone puts it on display. Oh, yeah. And, you know, everyone, mm-hmm. they're having fights about, you know, dumb stuff like cake and dresses and, and, and all of this stuff that it's fun to think about. I like throwing parties. I like, you know, deciding on menus in which cake to to eat i guess i need cake it just seems to kind of take the wind out of the sails of your relationship yeah there's like a shift there yeah like the moment you get into wedding planning a lot of people kind of forget (laughs) right like why they're getting getting married married. (laughs) right instead it's like and now you have another job on top of like you're already stressed out lives yeah and you know and there's just too many options and so expensive planning a wedding is so expensive that so many people like they want to do all the things that they see on like pinterest or instagram or whatever so they try and do it them damn selves hot gluing things together and and crafting shit in a sweatshop assembly line just to have this like wedding of their dreams i just uh and having it live up to expectations is just impossible. How can it It's just ever, impossible. It can't. First of all, I don't know. catered food is not good. Oh, it's gross. It's Yeah. Pretty good is probably the best it could be. Yeah. I worked really high profile, like celeb and uber wealthy people weddings for a good 10 years, like as my second or third job on weekends. And I will say that like, the place I worked at, the food was really good. But those are also like fifty to a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollar weddings. Yeah. You know, these yeah. are not like your average wedding. And even in those cases, people are stressed out. <laughs> you know, even in the it's just like even the day of the wedding, it's like there's so much going on that nobody can just like relax. Right. And this is supposed to be a like we're supposed to be having fun here. And no one is having yeah. fun. No one's having fun. No one's having fun. So yeah. yeah, and like, and even if you're a guest at the wedding, it's like, oh, my date got too drunk, or like, yeah. the bridesmaid hit on my date. My or shoes like, hurt, my feet. I'm yeah, sorry. exactly. I got to deal with my elderly relatives, and I have to interact with them. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, yes. they're just going to talk about their health problems for an hour. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's so much going on. And I want to talk about there's my so health problems for an hour, Nana, so exactly. this will not fly. Let's compare hips. 
Oh, yeah. I think that's that's fair. I mean, I will say I was and am one of those people who I have thought about what I would want for my wedding since I was uh, like a kid. And in like none of those thoughts... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as it like included the person I was getting married to. <laughs> it's always like the flowers I'm going to get, the venue I'm going to get, the weather that day, the the dress, you know, like, of course, the dress. And even before that, the ring, you yeah. know, it's like. It's, I think it's a much more fun thing to think about than to actually do. Oh, completely, completely. Kind of like Coachella. And it just makes everyone vapid. Like, uh, yes. sorry, it makes straight brides vapid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like. Yeah. I mean, I think brides, the bridezilla syndrome, I don't think it's, I think it's an infection. It's like, zo- it's like zombieism. Like, it's an infection. It's not, you know, it's not because she's a bad person. No. It's because she's been, been infected with, like, the American consumerism that is the bridal industry. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, the the bridal industry, there's all these magazines, there's all of like, you have to have this thing, you have mm. to have this thing, you have to have this thing. And then you have to worry about how fat you are, <laughs> you have to worry about back knee. I mean, it's just too much. You have to worry much. about back knee. Ugh. It is too much. You have to, oh, you have to worry about your, your, um, your back fat bulging out of your strapless dress? Uh, right. You have to worry yeah. about pissing off all of your friends by picking a dress that they all hate? Yeah, and then they have to buy the damn thing. I mean, yeah. it's all, again, just like, Yeah, it's just, mm, yeah. And I, I'm being pretty cheeky because you don't have to have a wedding like that to get married. But, I mean, it is kind of one of those things that people expect. That you have a big celebration when you get married. Well, because we're taught that it's, like, supposed to be the most important slash best day of your life. Yeah, you know? but I don't... And it's I, kind of the thing. How do you plan the best day of your life? Right. And that is a lot of... Yeah. And yes, stress. if it's supposed to be the best day of your life and you have all of this work to do, how could it it can never it could just can it can never live up to the vision in your head that you had since you were twelve. Mm-mm. Yeah, no. It can never. Mm-mm. It can never. No, because I'm not gonna have like the waste of Margot Robbie. Like it's never gonna happen. So like <laughs> no, it will not and ever reach the idea of, that I had in my head when I was 12 or whatever, you know, just throw on a flower sack and (laughs) go to City Hall. (laughs) I'm very, I am very thankful that like, because my parents failed in so many ways, (laughs) I don't have to worry about their expectations. Uh, At least I don't have, yeah, the family stuff is not, I don't have to be stressed about the family stuff. I guess I don't either, because in my family... The concept of a fancy event is like getting uh, ham salad buns from the bakery and then like getting a sheet cake and a punch bowl. Like that's, you know, that's still considered pretty <laughs> And fancy. you're done. And you're done. Get married at the VFW. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that would be perfectly acceptable. Exactly. I've been to more than one wedding uh, in Maine where I'm, you know, I'm from Maine where there's taxidermy animals. There's like a, a moose head on the wall. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> That's how we do it. The the benches, like where you sit for my sister's wedding, it was outdoors. It, they were hay. It was like oh. hay bales. Oh, real rustic. Mm. Real, rustic. real rustic, yeah. 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 
I mean, you can do it. Like I've seen, like my sister's wedding was pretty and they did it definitely on a budget, you know, and my brother didn't have a wedding. They got married by a justice of the peace and like a year later had like a party at his house. <laughs> I think, so, I think that's the way to actually do it. Yeah. It's just a party. Now you've like separated it from the wedding. So it doesn't have to be a wedding thing. It's just a party. So the, um, the Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, uh, Oprah interview just came out like and everyone's losing their minds. But one of the things that I found interesting is they revealed that they actually got married before the big wedding. They yeah. got married like in the backyard, just the two of them and the Archbishop of Canterbury, which like it still sounds fancy as hell. Yeah, it does. But, <laughs> but it was just the three of them, you know, because right. they knew that the big thing was going to be it's for the public consumption. It's the spectacle. It's so much more romantic than just like once you really think about it, than this huge public spectacle. Yeah. You know, that's like on TV and cost god knows how much and, money and where they served yeah. bowl food say what that those were their uh their like wedding appetizers was bowl food i guess it's just like you know like a grain bowl or whatever it's like literally food served in bowls but i guess they tried to make it sound fancy by calling it bowl food <laughs> <laughs> uh here's some slop enjoy yeah oh, With, so but it's fancy slop it's royal slop Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, we've come up with new reasons to not get married. <laughs> we, got, we, we could do this all year, and we're going to. And we're going to. Tell your friends. I did want to talk about the dating advice challenge before we wrapped it up here today. All right. Yeah. Last So last month, it was about uh, talking about politics on the first date. Did you did you get a chance to implement that? I guess you didn't because you're seeing somebody. So you haven't been on a first date in a long time. Did you talk about it on the first date? On the first date? Um, I think it came up in passing. Like he okay. probably made some comment about Trump or something. You did start dating right around the election so i guess it was sort yeah. of inescapable. so it is something i want to know right off the bat because if our politics don't align like it's not gonna work right it's just I'm not gonna work pretty sure our values are not going to align uh yeah so i do think it's you know it could it is a kind of dangerous yes but i'd rather know right off the top no i'd know, rather know then, yeah i went remember when i was uh really into the idea of getting married like the polar opposite yeah. now. And I had matchmakers set me up. Uh, yes, yes. I definitely did explicitly tell them that was an important thing to me. They apparently don't care. Um, so they set me up <laughs> with this dude and like we started talking about deal breakers. And I said, yeah, dating a Republican, that's a deal breaker. And he just kind of like, like... <laughs> he just like stepped back from the table. He's like, all right, enjoy your dinner. I will say he then did grope me in an elevator. So... <laughs> so he takes after a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of other men of the grand old party yeah yeah, yeah. okay yep yep yeah um yeah. and then this month no liberal liberal men can be shit can oh be shit yeah, absolutely I, yeah. yeah all yeah. all men are problematic yeah yeah um so this month we're going to be talking about the mystique of the third date that's a good one. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a lot. Like, remember, uh, in Sex in the City was Charlotte's rule that uh, on the third date, that's when you could have sex. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like the sex stuff. It's also like the third date is kind of when you decide like if you're going to 
I've never used that benchmark. Subscribe to you? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess I just think it's damaging because once again, you're playing by these implied rules and you're not having conversations about the actual relationship. No, but it is kind of like if you are going on a third date, it is like, are you both saying, okay, this could be something? It feels like also the time when you make a decision to like invest or not. Do I cut bait here? You know? Yeah. Or do I keep investing, you know, right. time into this? I mean, and this is all with the assumption that you are looking for like a long term and or serious relationship, you know, but I'm not a casual dater. I mean, I You're know, not, no. I know they exist, but I am not that person. Um, yeah, I just and I just and about like the sex thing, too. Like, I, it doesn't matter. Like sleeping with someone on the first date, it shouldn't be viewed as a negative choice there like there are reasons definitely not to sleep with someone on the first date but i, I don't think that because charlotte from sex in the city said so is a good reason we'll be talking about it on social media um there'll be some posts up there'll be some stories up you know tell us what you're thinking tell us you know how you view uh the third date is it mystical is it magical is it just you know the third time you've been in public with a person let us know yeah. What are the rules? Yeah. Or are there no rules? Are there any rules? We've also announced the first book club meeting. We'll be meeting on April 18th. That's a Sunday. Uh, you can go to our website and sign up there. You can also go to our Instagram bio uh, and join some badass spinsters talking about Spinster, Making a Life of One's Own by Kate Bollock. Uh, but I think it's got stuff in there for spinsters and non-spinsters alike. A lot of it is just about finding out who you are and about um, kind of what we're doing is finding role models and studying their lives and learning how to apply things from their lives to your own. Join us. It should be a lot of fun. I know everyone is just jazzed to get on another Zoom call, but, you know, times are what they are. Plus, um, you know, it's a way for people in other time zones and other places to join us looking forward to it i like it maybe we'll get some married ladies i hope so i would like that perspective as well yeah all right married ladies this is all on you now married ladies divorced ladies yeah because you're not a spinster if you're divorced right no mm, you're a spinster if you've never married so is it worse to be divorced or to be a spinster um neither historically <laughs> <laughs> um i think historically spinster yeah i agree i agree it's very interesting thanks for listening to another episode uh you can find us on social media we're on instagram spinster life podcast we can go to our website spinsterlife.com just spinsterlife.com and uh, you can email us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, etc. Uh, spinsterlifepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>